Bring it in, read option back after Thanksgiving. What a great holiday. Excuse to drink beer, eat great food, spend time with family and friends, uh, get away. Uh, no veto on the pod, but I am joined with Scotty. Scotty, uh, the smoker and turkey fry combo for Thanksgiving this year was a bit of a it was it was a bold move, but it sounds like it paid off uh, yeah. paid off for you. How was your yeah, Thanksgiving? It was it was a bold strategy, cotton, smoke a fried. That's what I'm calling it. Smoke a fried. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh it was good though, man. It was good. Quiet. Uh watched lots of football, both the American and the international kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, World Cup is on. Uh if you're not watching, uh you should watch because this US team is exciting. And uh got win. a big game. Got a big game coming up today when you're hearing this against uh Iran at one PM Eastern. So uh, big must-win game, game for them. Yeah, second youngest team in the uh, in the entire field. Uh, the U.S. Over, overall, yeah. yeah. Yeah, only Ghana has a younger team, uh, and both both of them are, are quite exciting. Unfortunately, Ghana beat my uh, my mainstay. Uh, South Korea is my team mm. this year since Italy's not in it, uh, and, and the U.S. obviously. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's been exciting so far. An exciting World Cup. A little controversy. Who but who doesn't love that? And then obviously we are just chugging along uh, here in American football. And it's almost done, man. College football is a wrap for the most part. College football regular season done. Uh, We now move on to conference championship season. Do want to give a quick shout out to the true East champions of the Sun Belt, James Madison University, finishing their inaugural season, the FBS, at eight and three. I mean, I I said five wins, I'd be ecstatic, let alone eight and three should be representing And and, and closing it out by beating the absolute shit out of Coastal Carolina. And and that's a good conference, too. It's not like, you know, a, a slouch where going eight and three is like, all right, well, you had a couple of cupcakes yeah. uh, for, for most of your schedule. No, man, that conference, and we saw from the beginning of the season yeah. how competitive that conference was. So um, good job by the Dukes there. Yeah. Well done. It was, it was a great – it was an awesome first season. It was great to be a part of it. Again, it's a shame. Hopefully, they'll be eligible next year um, because I don't think this team yeah, is going anywhere. Yeah, what a dumb rule. But they are. They do lose Todd Santeo, who uh, I think will probably get some NFL buzz. Uh, that dude is electric and um, is really talented. I know I've seen a couple of of mock draft sites having him as a as a top ten QB on their list. So we'll see. Nonetheless, it's super fun to come around. But you're right, man. I mean, f- college football season flew by. It always does. But like this year in particular, I feel like was even faster. And and maybe that's just a part of getting older. Each each year, it seems to go by faster and faster. But uh, just a, a fun season, some crazy games on uh, Saturday, Michigan, back-to-back years beating Ohio State. I did not have that on the cards. I thought Ohio State was going to whoop up on them. Uh, that run defense for Ohio State just couldn't hold up. Donovan Edwards stepping in for the banged-up Blake Corum, uh, breaking off those two massive touchdown runs in the, uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, I was actually leaving a brewery on Saturday – and Ohio State had just kicked the field goal, and it was like a four-point game at that point. And then we're halfway back from the brewery. It's been literally 15 minutes since we left. And I asked my girlfriend, I said, hey, can you check the score of that game? She goes, uh, Michigan's up 
like two touchdowns. And I was like, wait, what happened? Yeah. In the like, blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. Michigan yeah. found it was, a way to explode. It was uh, Michigan did to Ohio State what Ohio State's been doing to other teams this season is just yeah. get down to the last eight, 10 minutes, and all of a sudden it's just out of nowhere. Boom, 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 boom. And, and, and it's explosive plays. And all of a sudden, you know, it happened in the Penn State game. We were within three and uh, eight minutes to go. And all of a sudden we're down by 22. Like yeah. how the hell did that happen? <laughs> it's it's crazy. And I think we should do our playoff. Well, we'll, we'll obviously make our picks on Friday's pod for the conference championship games. We'll pick all the, the power fives. Um, and then I think on, on Monday's pod next week or Monday we'll record, but Tuesday before the actually no, cause the playoffs getting announced on Sunday night. So what am I saying? Yeah. God, I'm, yeah. I get removed. We got to do our, uh, so we'll have we to do, do our, our playoff our picks. picks, our playoff picks and how we think it'll all shake out. The sad thing is, and obviously like, I know you have no, uh, you know, hard feelings when it comes to, uh, or you have several hard feelings. I should say when it comes to Ohio state, um, I still think Ohio state is the team that's most likely to take down Georgia. Uh, and and ultimately, it's going to be really cool to see TCU, who I think, regardless of what happens this weekend, has a really good chance of making it. Uh, and I think again, Michigan, they'll win. They should beat Purdue. They should find their way into the uh, uh, championship. And even if they don't, <laughs> which I was driving on the way back at that moment, like doing that like Charlie Day meme from Always Sunny, like trying to put together, which is what Pepe everyone Sylvia. does. Yeah, right. It's what everybody does when you're trying to figure out this freaking college football playoff scenario, but I had no idea who was going to be playing in the West for the big 10. Like that's how bad the big 10 West has been this year. Uh, maybe not for long with the news of Luke fickle going to Wisconsin, which is a fucking, and, uh, and an another awesome big hire in the West. Yeah. Uh, and Nebraska gets, uh, gets, gets Matt, Matt rule as well. Yeah. Um, now I don't, I mean, Matt rule was great in, in college. I'm curious to see how his second stint after the NFL stuff goes, but uh, we do know he's a really good college coach, at least. And uh, but Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. I mean, look at the jobs that yeah. he was rumored for that he could have had a chance at over the last few years between Notre Dame, uh, LSU, USC, Oklahoma. And this is the one that he decides to go for. I think it's a perfect fit. I'm bummed for Cincinnati. Um, I mean, obviously, look, they're going to get a chance to move up. And uh, that's a great program. People have seen what Luke Fickle's done there. So the fact that they're going to be in the Big 12 next year, uh, but just a really, really interesting move from Luke Fickle there. And uh, it's a shame for that program. But as, as someone who likes Wisconsin, just because I have no reason not to like Wisconsin, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with him there. And I think it's a good thing for the Big Ten West to have a potential like and two potential like really, really high caliber head coaches in the West. Uh, not to take anything away from, you know, Jeff Brom or Pat Fitzgerald or any of those guys. They're good coaches. But I think Luke Fickle's on another level when we're talking on some of these guys. Uh, but the playoff, it's coming. It always comes fast. Those last few spots, I mean, we've texted about this on the side. I think USC, no, I think as long as USC wins, USC has to be in the playoff. They have the best player in the country right now. If you have the best and Notre Dame turned into turned out to be a much better team than we thought in the beginning of the year. I know they had a bunch of really bad losses to start off the season. Um, but Caleb Williams is the best player in the country. Caleb Williams, if they make the college football playoff, will probably win the Heisman and it's probably deserve it. Uh, I'm just I'm very curious uh, to see how it all shakes out, because even though Ohio State does have that one loss, 
the final score is not necessarily a good indicator of how back and forth that game was. Ohio State was leading the majority of the game. And I do think Ohio State is probably the better team than Michigan. Um, but, hey, Michigan went to Columbus and pulled out a massive win. So uh, before we – obviously, like I said, we're going to do our picks next week. But how do you feel now? And, uh, and obviously with the with the right to change you, uh, your, your mind on Friday. Um, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. Uh, you know, I thought, I thought Ohio state was the better team going into that game. Um, but you know, as a Penn state fan, this helps us Michigan winning. All right. Now our, our chances at a new year's six have are increased. Uh, having said that our record, uh, with James Franklin as head coach in new year's six bowls is not stellar. So, uh, my, my guess is we're going to end up getting, um, uh, probably the 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 at large team in the Cotton Bowl, either uh, UCF or uh, or Tulane, whoever wins the the American Championship. But uh, um, we'll see. I mean, it could be interesting. I think that Alabama Clemson uh, rematch in the Orange Bowl is a little too juicy of a matchup for them to turn down because uh, it's right there. I mean, you know, might as well. Yeah. Because um, there's nothing. I mean, it's not a playoff game, so uh, you want no, your if- best matchup, and I think that's going to draw the most viewers and the most the the most money and and all that stuff. I've always been a little confused on how this works. Um, how, if you, for, for Penn State, sorry, I say you as if like embodying all of Penn State, like you embody all of Penn State. But, That's cool. Uh, I, I'll hold the torch. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, but if Ohio State makes the playoff, does that mean you guys would go to the Rose Bowl or is it going to be Purdue? Um, it, it depends. I, and that's up to the, to the bowl selection committees. Uh, of of each bowl, right? It's it's not just the college football playoff being like you're going here, you're going here. No, it's uh the there's subcommittees um, that that are uh, are for these bowl games. Um, um, the tournament of roses is, for example, is the is the Rose Bowl one, um, and they select who. And now, obviously, there's conference tie-ins, right? So well, and that's why I'm asking about- because the Rose Bowl has always been Pac-12, Big Ten traditionally yeah it has been but so traditionally they would take um if the big 10 team weren't in the championship game uh and they under the take, old system yeah they, they would, would take, take the, the the second place team right um so but you know it could be that if uh if ohio state go, goes to the playoff um they could take us uh or they could take purdue it's not you know it's not yeah. anything set in stone where it's like 2a uh in in big 10 goes to rose bowl yeah right um so well, it, could it would be, be whoever because i understand how the the whole subcommittees process works but i was thinking i didn't know if there if there ever was a set rule for the rose bowl in particular because the rose bowl tends to operate differently um than most of how the bowls uh, just traditionally in terms of yeah, the tie-ins to the Big Ten and the Pac-12 always being in the Rose Bowl, and there hasn't been a playoff yet where we've had uh, two Big Ten teams make uh, the college football playoff. So, in my head, I'm thinking, all right, well, if Michigan, because if Ohio State gets left out, then Ohio State will go to the bowl game. They'll, it's the biggest. They'll bowl. go to the Rose Bowl. They'll yeah, go to the Rose Bowl like they did last year. Um, but if Michigan and Ohio State both make it, then who's that third team up? I mean, I would say objectively, I would think it would be you guys over Purdue, but uh, just thinking out loud. So lots of college stuff going on. It's going to be fun. Um, it really seems like it's coming down to about five teams. LSU was a long shot, but then 
they're now pretty much cooked. It would have been really interesting if LSU beats A&M like they should have, uh, and then they somehow pull the upset over Georgia. Two-loss LSU with a win against Bama, with a win against Georgia, um, with the only really, you know, the FSU loss in week one, and then Florida State's now a top 15 team themselves. exactly. And you look at the other loss being to uh, Tennessee, who's a really good football team, right? Who does that, who, you know, how does that go out? That would have been a fascinating debate, but they uh, they lost. So now it's going to be LSU and Georgia in the SEC championship game. Georgia makes it either way. TCU should win their game. They should make it. And then Michigan should make it. So that last spot's going to come down to basically if USC wins out uh, and also what we see on Tuesday will also determine a lot of this uh, based off of how they're seated and how they rank them after this weekend, because I, I, yeah. I think it's impossible to not have USC number four right now. I, I, I think your top four have to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. I agree. Um, but we've seen the committee do crazier things, right? Sure. Regardless, if USC is on the outside at five, if they win their conference championship game, they're, that, yeah. they're in the top four. Yeah. You would think. But the the way the rules are written, the committee can leapfrog, and we saw this in 2016, can leapfrog a one-loss team, Ohio State, over a conference champion if they if the committee feels that the team leapfrogging is unequivocally better than uh, than the team that that has the conference championship. So yeah, conference championships are important, but there's there's a whole caveat to it. And we saw again, we saw it in 2016. Penn State wins a conference championship. Ohio State leapfrogs them into the playoff. Um, but we did have two losses, so uh, their one le- leapfrogged them in. But uh, it, it could be that that the committee decides Ohio State is unequivocally better, and I don't know how you would determine that because just well, what I've wasn't, seen. I, I, yeah, there, and I think ultimately they'll give the nod because if, if USC wins, they're beating number 14 Utah – Utah's number 14 as of now that will who they lost to that's their one loss Mm -hmm. so they avenge their one loss they get the 12th win and the conference championship against the highly ranked Utah team that's a good football team uh and Ohio State just has to sit on on their hands and hope that it works out with a not particularly impressive out of conference schedule um I mean who is Purdue does something yeah (laughs) it keeps Um, it close I mean who was Ohio State's out of conference the big out of conference game they had this year it wasn't Notre Dame. It was, that was Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, And that was before Notre Dame was particularly good, you know? Um, And USC just beat the shit out of that USC team or that Notre Dame team this weekend. So already, you know, in terms of, you know, schedule comparisons or or resume comparisons, as long as USC wins now I'm with you. If the committee just says like, if, if we get it here in Ohio State's number four, um, which again would be shocking. Uh, but if the committee did that after USC just had a big win, um, that would, that would be surprising, but that is what Ohio state would hopeful hope for. Uh, yeah. But even I wouldn't Penn be state surprised year, to see them in, in, for sure. at four, but even the Penn, week. even the Penn state year that you were talking about, there wasn't any two, uh, one loss conference champions that Ohio state leapfrogged. And that's the big thing is two right. loss conference champions have been leapfrogged. Uh, but there has not been a one-loss conference champion to be leapfrogged. And uh, ultimately, USC wins. I think they kind of control their own destiny. Now, you can never can never say that for sure, but um, you know that's kind of typically how uh, the, the committee has operated the last couple and, of years. 
And one way or the other, the Big Ten wins because you're getting USC in two years. Yeah. You're either going to have, right? yeah, you're either going to get two teams in <laughs> that are this year or one team in that's there now and another team that's going to join in the next few years. So, yeah, the Big Ten's yep. in. And they just pick up Luke Fickle. I mean, yeah, the Big Ten, despite having a down year from the Big Ten West, I mean, that Penn, I'm sure you saw this too, but the Ohio State Michigan game was the highest viewed regular season college football game ever. 17 million people. The highest rated regular season college football game ever, which is insane. Uh, yeah. considering some of the games That's we've had. Nuts. So, uh, yeah, the Big Ten is in is in a good spot here. Uh, all right, we're going to switch over to the NFL. We're going to talk through Thanksgiving games a little bit, and then we'll talk about Sunday's matchups. But before we do that, the heart of football season is here, at least for the NFL, college football season. Just kind of past the heart of it there. Uh, the autumn wind is blowing. The leaves are turning different colors. And while you watch the season's turn, you should turn to the team at Alliance Accounting for all your personal and business tax solutions. Alliance Accounting has all the tools and resources you need to be prepared for any season. Their dedicated and knowledgeable team will help you prepare your federal and state tax return while you prepare for your family football game. Enjoy your company Thanksgiving potluck while the Alliance team provides you with the bookkeeping you need to maintain your company's financial organization and success. Alliance is here to help you. And with tax day just five months away, you don't want to get caught off guard like your Aunt Linda at Thanksgiving every year. Hope you didn't have any uh, Aunt Lindas this past week. Don't go cold turkey on your personal or business finances to end 2022. Turn over a new leaf this season with Alliance Accounting. Right now, you can get 10% off your first service with Alliance Accounting. Just tell them that we here at the Read Option sent you. So, Read Option podcast listeners, visit the Alliance Accounting website at allianceaccountingacctng.com today or check out their Instagram at alliance underscore accounting and get that 10% off your first service at Alliance Accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way. All right, let's dive in to week 12 in the NFL. A great slate of games on Thanksgiving I can't remember a Thanksgiving stretch that had this many good games. Uh, the Giants-Cowboys game got a little out of hand in the second half. The Giants kind of clawed their way back, but that, that score is a little closer than it looked. But the first half was awesome. I mean, the Giants were up 16-7. to And then we had the Pats-Vikings game on uh, Thursday night, which a controversial touchdown overturn call, which uh, I think was a really, really bad call. But uh, give me a couple of your takeaways from these games on Thursday night. I love what the Lions are doing. I, I just everything we thought about in the in the preseason, watching Hard Knocks, all of the the talk, the hype around them, getting excited. This is what I think we were all waiting for was mm -hmm. this team because and it, they showed it in the first couple of games, but then they went on that stretch of of four or five straight losses where it was like, uh, you know, we were like, oh, that that uh, that fizzled out pretty quick. But now they they won three in a row. Uh, they didn't win this this week, although they made it a close game, uh, all, all told. Uh, and that's with trading away one of their best offensive weapons in TJ Hawkinson and not having one of their best weapons, DeAndre Swift, for a, a, a good chunk of that time and not having Amon Ross St. Brown for a couple of weeks too, their, their best offensive weapon. I'm really impressed with what this team is able to do. They're gritty, uh, as we thought. Uh, they they fight. They they keep themselves in games. Um, I'm really impressed with with what Dan Campbell is doing. 
with that Lions team. They're they're going to be, and this is this I don't think is an exaggeration, Jeff. They're going to be a contender in that division within the next three years. That's no joke. No, and and I I I tend to agree, and I kind of want to see you know the the instinct to say oh they got to figure out the quarterback position still. Jared Goff's playing pretty damn good football right now, and I'll tell you what. Obviously, Stafford gave the Rams an extra element that they needed. They won the Super Bowl, right? You don't apologize for that. But I don't know if Jared Goff is playing on that Rams team this year instead of the banged up Matt Stafford. Now, the offensive line's terrible, and there's a bunch of other things going on. But you have to think that he would have been at least a little bit better than what we've seen from Stafford this year, who's banged up and injured. Not to say it again, no buyer's remorse there for the Rams, but Credit to this Lions team, credit to Dan Campbell. The way that they've gone about building up this whole roster is the right way. It's built through a a young, talented offensive line. They have some great high-end defensive players who are also really young. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be a star. And eventually, yeah, they're going to have to grab a quarterback at some point who's going to be your long-term option. But in the meantime, you're winning games, you're being competitive, uh, and you're also not winning so many games that you're putting yourself out of, you know, high end draft position. Um, I, I just think they're well coached and they're a fun team and they're still young. They're still figuring it out. But this is what we said we wanted from the Lions, right? We wanted to see a step forward. Don't none of us really thought is this Lions team going to make the playoffs? Maybe after the <laughs> first couple of weeks when they were scoring yeah. a million points, right? We're like, oh, maybe if they figure out the defense. I don't think any of us thought that, but 28 points to the bills is is not a bad result and they've played some good defense at certain points this year they're still learning if they get to that six or seven win mark that's a huge accomplishment for this team uh, and i think they have a good chance of getting there the bills in from this game at least the bills are i don't want to say that i'm worried about the bills because they're finding ways to win close games right but i i think we have clearly seen that there is a tier below the kansas city chiefs in the nfl I, d- I think the Chiefs are the best team. Mahomes is the best player. All that's clear cut. And then I think you have a little bit of a drop off. And then I think you have can't. Then I think you have Buffalo. You have Philly. Uh, and I think Miami deserves to be in that conversation. And we can talk about them. And maybe the Cowboys just on the outside looking in. Um, but the Bills, for what we expected from them and how we've talked about them all the all year, are supposed to be that juggernaut level team. Uh, yeah. Von Miller goes down well, with an injury in this game. Luckily, he didn't tear an ACL but he'll miss some time. Um, there's just, it doesn't feel like it's clicking when it's supposed to be clicking with this Bills team. Yeah, everything that re- went right on defense is is starting to disintegrate a little bit. The Von Miller injury is huge. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a big problem. The secondary, obviously, we've we've documented their, uh, their troubles over the past few weeks here on the podcast. Uh, but I think it comes down to on offense, you know what you're going to get out of Devin Singletary. Uh, and and your running game for that matter, uh, you, but it all starts with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs when they when those two are are playing well and playing at a high level and meshing well together. It opens up everything for that offense. I mean, look, Isaiah McKenzie got involved and had six catches, uh, I believe, for uh, he was over a hundred yards. Um, but it, it it all starts there because when those two guys are are glued together and they're playing well. The, the whole entirety of the, the rest of the offense plays well, and it shifts the entirety of the momentum of the game because they can strike you like that, like lightning. Yeah, well, and Isaiah, they've definitely found ways to get him involved more and more. 
Uh, he had his highest target share of the year. I think he had 10 targets. It was either seven or 10 targets. Um, but yeah, just I mean, under 100, just yeah. to correct myself. He was 96 and, for 96. And they use him in the running game too on some jet sweeps and end arounds and some interesting different, you know, plays that they're kind of crafting up. The big improvement for them has been being able to run the football. Uh, which Devin Singletary looks like a completely different player the last two weeks than we've ever seen. And if this is something that they can continue to do to help alleviate some of the pressure against uh, that, that exists for, for Josh Allen, that's a huge win. It's a huge win for Buffalo, but they do seem to be struggling with teams that they should be able to put away comfortably. And honestly, like, I look at them and I look at Philly and I, I, I see two very similar teams, teams that talent wise, should be blowing teams out, right? None of these games should be as competitive as they're turning out, but there's just a couple of small mistakes here and there uh, that's keeping these games close. Now, look, both teams are winning the games they're supposed to win, and I'll still take Josh Allen in a playoff game. You know, Josh Allen in a playoff game with Stephon Diggs and those guys, I trust those guys to go out there and and make big plays and win games in the playoffs. Um, but they are no longer in first place in their division. And that, that blow up against Miami in the beginning of the year is going to come back to haunt them. And they have to continue to win out, and they have to be a little bit more convincing. Um, uh, let's talk a little more about the Giants-Cowboys. Cowboys, I've got to say, I was not super impressed by them, even in the second half. But the defense, the, the adjustments they made defensively in the second half, uh, as well as some of the stuff they did offensively, they have to find that sweet spot between Dak and running the ball, right? Like Dak is better than Kirk Cousins. I know we always make that joke in comparison and stuff. I get it. But Dak is better than those than those guys. He's better than Tannehill. But he's not so good that you can trust him to do everything on your team. He's He just hasn't been that guy since the ankle injury. Uh, he's put up some really good numbers. He's had games where he looks incredible. But the wide receiver core is CeeDee Lamb and a whole lot of nothing. Michael Gallup hasn't been the same since coming back. He hasn't scored a touchdown since the game he returned in week four. Uh, so I, I don't know where you go with this offense throwing the football. They're at their best with the two-man running back room with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. The offensive line's gotten better. Uh, and again, the defense is really, really good. But a team like the Giants, who is significantly inferior in terms of talent to the Cowboys, shouldn't be winning by six points at halftime against this Cowboys team. This Cowboys team should be able to ground and pound their way and rely on their defense the way they did in the second half, but they're going to get in some trouble when they play good teams. We saw it happen uh, against Green Bay, uh, and and that's going to be a problem, right? The, when, they, when they have teams that at least have the talent to hold them accountable and, and, and keep with them, that's going to end up being a problem for this Cowboys team down the line but when you're playing the Giants, who you are just that much more talented then, you can get away with it. Uh, but I still, I'll tell you what, the Cowboys are not going to be, be a fun team to play. They play really good defense, and they run the ball really well. Uh, and that second game against Philly in Week 17 is going to be an absolute monstrous game. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to play them <clears throat> down the stretch uh, or in the playoffs at home uh, because that's where they seem to thrive this season, uh, particularly in on, well, on both sides of the ball, really. Uh, some of the best defense I've seen them play is at, uh, is at home this year. So, um, you know, give, give them credit for, uh, for executing the, the, the game plan to get it done against the giants. But if you're the giants, I don't know what you're thinking. How do you only get 21 total rushes in the entire game? 11 of them for, to, to Saquon Barkley. 
and you, I don't understand how we've we've talked, and not just us, uh, people in in all over the professional sports media. Hey, the secret to beating the Cowboys defense, we've seen it empirically, is running the ball really effectively. Yeah, uh, and you have one of the best running backs in the league, the second best by rushing statistics, and Saquon Barkley uh, behind Nick Chubb, and, and you only rush him eleven times, and you're going to let Danny Dimes win you the game against the Cowboys. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No, and, and and look, this is where this is where the Giants, the the Cinderella, you know, it's it struck midnight, so to speak, right? Whatever cliche that we've used for a million years in sports, you want to use, feel free to insert it here. Uh, but the Giants are not a, are, are not a particularly talented football team. They have a stud in Saquon that we all everyone loves Saquon. We all know how good he is, and they have some good young defensive players. Um, but as a whole, the defense hasn't been very good all year. I've talked about that multiple times. They've played really good situational football, and they forced other teams to make mistakes. But eventually, when you play better teams, you just get outclassed, and that's what's yeah. happened with the Giants well, over the last few weeks, where it's just like there's right. that too. But but the for, on the Giants side, I think Xavier McKinney not being there is really hurting them because that was the Definitely. one cog in the in the secondary that was really holding things together. Um, when the defensive line made a play or two uh, and, and forced a, a third and long situation, right? Yeah. Those are the spots where, and we saw a lot of that against the Cowboys where they would just convert those because they, they have enough weapons to do so. Those are the spots where not having him is, is really hurting that defense. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I also think that this is just, I felt like this was going to come at some point when the giants were, were six and two, or six and one, right? And seven when they had this like this impressive record, which like, hey, look, they've had a great year for especially considering their expectations, and there's still a really good chance that they make the playoffs. Um, the back end of their schedule is going to get tougher. They still have to play Philly twice, which is not going to be easy for them. That defense is going to struggle against the running game in the offensive line for Philadelphia, and I don't know how they're going to be able to stop that. Uh, I don't know how anybody's going to stop Jalen Hurts right now. Dude's playing on at an absolute other like another level of football, and we'll we'll get to the Eagles in a little bit. But the Giants are are struggling right now, um, and that's what they're kind of supposed to be. There's always teams like this every year that start off really hot and then fade off down the stretch, whether the schedule gets harder or they're overachieving for what they are or the luck runs out, which is part of it, too. Now, I still maintain I think the Giants are an incredibly well coached football team, and that's what got them to the seven wins that they already have. And if they end up making the playoffs, that's what it's going to be to get them there. They just were a team that eventually between the Evan Neal injury and some of the banged up guys in the offensive line, Danny Dimes can only do so much. He's incredible. He's incredibly limited. You know, I don't think after what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I think again, the, all right, I guess Jimmy G extension talks probably aren't going to be a thing anymore, even though there was some talk that maybe, maybe they franchise tag him. who knows. Um, but I think this is more or less going to be kind of what this giants team is, which is they were up six points at halftime. Right. So they were in this game to the end or at least going into the second half. Uh, but sometimes you just don't have the horses and other teams do. And, and that's kind of what I think we saw here. And that's probably what the rest of the giant season is going to look like. They'll beat teams that they should beat. But when they have to play the Eagles two more times and have to play Washington a game, who again, who I think is a more talented team, they're going to struggle a little bit. Uh, let's go to the last game on Thursday night. Uh, the Pats and Vikings. Um this was a big win for Kirk Cousins. However, 
the the my girlfriend uses this expression that her family uses, which is I love, which is uh, she calls it the lucky stick. Right. When good things are happening to you in your life, you just get hit with the lucky stick. The Vikings have been hit with the lucky stick this season. Um, there's been a ton. Uh, I mean, you could probably boil some of their wins and losses down to like five plays that could have completely changed. Like this Vikings team could be nine and two or they also could be, uh, you know, five and six. Right. Like it, it really is that that close to it. And, and you just think, you know, the game against the Saints in London when Will Lutz misses the kick that right. That would have won them at, at, at the end of the game. Um, the game against Buffalo. Right. Which is the yeah. insane Justin Jefferson catch that shouldn't have ever happened to begin with. Uh, now you're talking about the the no touchdown call here to Hunter Henry in, in this game, which was a huge, huge missed call, especially when the week before Travis Kelsey uh, did the exact same thing and they called it a touchdown. So uh, I, the Vikings have gotten hit with the lucky stick this year. You don't apologize for winning. You don't apologize for being nine and two, but they have gotten really, really lucky. That being said, they are a good football team. You got to give credit where credit's due. They are not going to be a team that makes the Super Bowl. I feel very confident in saying that this team will not make the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, but Kirk, I, Kirk I, Cousins. I, I don't want to play them. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to play any of the teams in the playoffs right now. Like as looking at us, like if, if the play at the season ended I, today, I said that about you guys last night. I said that about the Eagles as I was watching that game. I was like, I hope the Niners don't well, the, draw the, the Eagles. At but some the point. Niners are the, the the Niners are the team that everyone else is saying nobody wants to play. They're like the number one. But as an Eagles fan, I look at the teams that if the season ended right now would be in the playoffs, and it's the Vikings, who would want revenge after we kicked the shit out of them in week two. It'd be the Niners, who I have no interest in going up against Kyle Shanahan or the Niners. Tampa Bay, which I know that team sucks, but it's still Tom Brady. And then it's (laughs) all three of the teams in the NFC East. (laughs) So it's like every single team in the playoffs right now, I don't want to play. But that's also the point of having, you know, the playoffs be the best teams and why parity in the NFL is a good thing. I just... I don't know. I don't think this Vikings team, I'm never convinced they do something amazing and then they get shit pumped 40 to three. And then they pull off a win against the good Patriots defense. Uh, and Mac Jones looked pretty good in this game too, which is the first yeah. time all year that I was like, this looks more like the guy I saw last year as a rookie. And hopefully they're starting to get that figured out. And hopefully they actually bring in an offensive coordinator next year. Hey, Nathaniel Hackett, that might end up happening sooner rather than later. Um, but Kirk Cousins or uh, Kirk Cousins is playing good. I just I, I I don't know what the future of the Patriots hold. I don't think they end up making the playoffs. They might sneak in as the seventh seed. They're just an average football team um, with a good defense and, and a below average offense. And they just they'll win some games. They'll lose most of them, um, and they'll they'll kind of be right at that five hundred mark. The Vikings. I just yeah. I know their record's nine and two. I just don't buy it. I don't think anyone does. And I think it's, you know, it's, you like to see different ways of winning, different ways of, of running your offense uh, against different opponents. But it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like the, all of a sudden the, the Patriots have one of the better secondaries in the league. Oh, let's throw it 39 times or 37 times. And Kirk Cousins going to th- complete 30 of them uh, instead of committing to the run, which uh, was probably the better play uh, and getting Dalvin Cook 20 plus. Uh, and getting his volume up. Now he did have 22 carries, but 42 yards. So uh, I, I just don't understand. Of course you have Justin Jefferson, who's always going to uh, be a threat to go off at any point. So 
I just don't understand. Like, there's no balance. It's either one way or the other, and it's never the way that you think it's going to go. And and somehow they find a way to win. Yeah, Minnesota yeah. doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make <laughs> sense. But they're like I said, got hit by the lucky stick. Uh, all right, let's move to the Sunday games. We'll start off Bucks Browns. Uh, how the hell did this game not end in a tie? Like, I still don't understand how this game didn't end in, in a tie. It it should have. It had all of the makings of it. Todd Bowles just absolutely. I just I, I can't believe this year has been as bad from a coaching standpoint as it has been, right? Like, I think there's an argument that Todd Bowles has done as bad of a job coaching this year as Nathaniel Hackett in a lot of situations. So the late game management, and you have Tom fucking Brady on your team. Yeah. And look, Brady has Brady physically is starting to look about as bad as I've seen him. The zip on the ball, the missed throws, uh, underthrowing guys. It, it, it's clear. There was there was one in overtime. There was one in overtime that Mike Evans had two steps on the corner. Yeah, and, and overthrown by Tom Brady just like unleashed. Yeah, and I've never seen him physically like just fork back and put everything behind a double cheeker, as we say in baseball. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> well, uh, apparently but, in football last night too, Chris Collinsworth talking about the oh double. did he? Yeah, well Jesus. the the push the QB sneak. For oh, Jalen yeah. Hurts with the two guys behind him, he <laughs> called it a double cheeker. But you're you're a hundred percent right, and that was the same throw that came to my mind because in years past he doesn't have to give it everything he got and he has, and he can have more accuracy and control with it. And that throw was eye opening to me because it looked like he gave it every ounce of energy he had, which means he could not control the the accuracy on it at all, and he overthrew him by three yards and. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I, I thought Mike Evans maybe had a chance to dive at that ball. I, there's just the, the playing for the tie type shit, punting twice in overtime. And then you look at, uh, you know, Tom Brady in that game, uh, uh, Tom Brady and, and the offense not going for it on the fourth down and punting it because they couldn't kick the field goal because I, I guess the wind. Uh, and they end up punting it, and you're, you're changing about like 30 yards. But like a field goal in that situation puts you up 10, ends the game essentially, right? But instead, they hang there at 17 to 10 all game, and then David Njoku makes just an absolutely ridiculous that catch. Was, yeah, that was insane. That, and the throw was, too, by the way, from Jacoby Brissett was was, was really, really good too. 100 percent. But that catch was unbelievable. And you know, especially what? in that spot. And I feel like I've seen some people on social media and on some of the TV shows and stuff that I talk about this, but I don't think Jacoby Brissett's going to get enough respect and appreciation for the situation he got thrown into. The everybody looking at him as a placeholder, everybody talking him down, everybody saying, Oh, we just can't wait for Jacoby Brissett to be done so we can watch Deshaun Watson. Like that dude had a tough year. I can't imagine I, on, on your mental health, the people who yeah. are blaming you for the Browns going out and, and getting Deshaun Watson and they're lumping you into it. And then to go out there and play on, on a, on a okay football team. Uh, and, and honestly, he, he probably knows it. He knows that he's made a lot of mistakes this year, but to continue yeah, but, to go out and battle and then win a game, uh, just credit to Jacoby Brissett. And there are a couple of plays away too, from being uh uh a seven and four team instead of a four and seven team. I mean, honest, they're, they're that not Jets that far game, off. The Jets game yeah. at the beginning of the year. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a ton. And, and you know, think about like plays that, that almost lost this game. Even, you know, the, the wide open drop on a great throw from, from Jacoby that, that Amari Cooper dropped. Yeah. That you never see, 
but yeah, it's 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 got to it has to be incredibly taxing, especially that fan base. We've seen how ridiculous uh, that Browns fan base has been, uh, it, particularly as it pertains to to getting Deshaun Watson in. Um, and so to to walk through that gauntlet and uh, and and deal with all that while trying to win football games in the NFL, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Jeff on Jacoby. Yeah, uh, credit to him. And then yeah, we'll see Deshaun Watson next week play his uh, his old team, um, week thirteen. Um, I'm very curious to see how how it's all going to look and what and what it's going to feel like. But he was officially activated today. Um, just weird. It's gonna be weird. I don't know. First time we've seen him in uh, two years. It's been it's been a long time since we watched Deshaun Watson play football. Uh, all right, yeah. up next. We should stay that way. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. Uh, all right, up next. Uh, probably the most anticipated game of the day: Bengals and Titans. Cincinnati pulls out a big, big win here in this tough stretch that they have coming up uh, that involves a game against the Bills and Chiefs. Uh, this is a big time win for them. He, it, it's crazy when you look at Cincinnati and then you look at their schedule and it's like, yeah, in the last six weeks of the season, you're going to have all three number one seeds from each of the divisions in your, uh, in your conference. Good luck. Well, they knocked off one of them this week. Uh, the Bengals defense, the second half numbers on the Bengals defense this season have been unreal. I believe they're averaging something like four points a game. In the second half, uh, wow. it, it's it. They're playing at an uh, incredible level. I don't know what it is that they do. That it's they're a great halftime adjustment team. Uh, but this is a big time win. You win a couple of close games back to back, right? Without Jamar Chase, hopefully you get Jamar Chase back for the game against Kansas City, uh, yes. and then the game against for those Buffalo. of us fantasy owners who need him but, back for the stretch run. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, this like I said, this is a big time, big time. Uh, win for Cincinnati and again this team is looking eerily similar to the team it was a year ago and well, yeah. all of a sudden don't let Joe Burrow get hot because for as good as Joe Burrow is he's had a pretty quiet year this year right he there's been so, so many other guys who have kind of stolen the headline he got the the lights and the cameras during the Super Bowl run last year so this year it's kind of like faded off him a little bit uh, everyone's always obsessed with Justin Herbert but we know how fucking good Joe Burrow is, and we know what the stones that that dude is made of. I think it's I think it's helping their offense actually that he's not in the spotlight necessarily because now I mean look at what the that offensive ha- has had to endure a terrible offensive line at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. like absolutely abysmal like record breakingly horrible <laughs> uh, after they after they just completely revamped to make themselves better uh, that was the one thing they committed to in the off season. Then you have injuries, right? Jamar Chase, who's been banged up for uh, for the last what three, four games or so. Uh, Mixon, who uh, is a tradition unlike any other, he's going to get banged up. But then you have guys to be able to step in, and this is where the depth and the talent of of your offense really helps out. T. Higgins, of course, you have Tyler Boyd and 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 other guy Hayden Hurst helping out in the receiving core as well this season. Uh, Samaje Piran steps in and has a couple of big games. Last week he was he was phenomenal after he came in for for Mixon, and this week seventeen fifty and a touchdown. I mean, what more can you ask for? Uh, and then on defense, you know, I, I hand up. I was chastising them all year about how how poorly they've played and how great I don't think they look. But 
when they go up against uh, a an a an offensive line that's as good as as Tennessee's is, and b the best probably the best running back in the league, especially as we get down to the stretch run here uh, late November in Derrick Henry, to be able to uh, manipulate your defense not only your your the way you're you're playing on a on a on a talent level game in game out but your scheme to be able to recognize okay I got to fill in this gap like I saw so many replays on Derrick Henry runs who got shut down by the way Derrick Henry only 17 carries for 38 yards and that was because their defensive line their second level even guys in their secondary were coming down and stuffing gaps that Derrick Henry normally finds and it was yeah. early in the run it wasn't you know it wasn't you know 4 or 5 uh 10 yards downfield uh they were stuffing the gaps right at the line of scrimmage and and they've just played at an elevated level uh over the last few weeks and uh and that's that's the dangerous part to me if joe burrow can kind of uh get hot and get going you know not necessarily stay in the spotlight uh kind of kind of like he did on the stretch run last year and this defense is playing the way it is watch out man yeah because that's I a, mean, it- a very winnable division yeah and and just flying under the radar i mean they went from you know trailing uh, the division to now they and and uh, Baltimore are, are tied right so um, that and Baltimore losing a, a game we'll get to that game in, in a little bit here too but like that that's a big time like that's a big time swing and Cincinnati needed this one uh, Tennessee I still think Tennessee is gonna be fine obviously they have that yeah. division oh, wrapped yeah. up uh, and and they have a huge game against Philly next week and and I'll tell you what that that Philly Tennessee game is gonna be Really interesting because Philly's going to have to finally like AJ Dillon is a huge dude, but he ain't Derrick Henry. So just, you know, we all got to keep that in mind. Uh, Houston and Miami, not really much to get in here. Um, this is kind of what we thought at this point. <laughs> look, two is good. Two is really fucking good. Um, the, the accuracy, <laughs> the, dolphins the, are the scary, ball man. placement, the Dolphins, the, the Dolphins explosiveness offensively is just it's on another level. It's one of the best I've seen um, in a long time. Again, I am. We haven't seen them play a top tier team in a while. Uh, the last time we saw Miami play a team that was, you know, like a high end, high caliber team uh, that was also healthy when they were also healthy was the game against Buffalo in the comeback. Obviously, they had the one against New England to start the season, then at Baltimore, home against Buffalo. And then it was the Thursday night Cincinnati game that they lose until it gets knocked out. And since then they were injured when they played the jets, they were injured. No, I mean, Tua was injured at least when they played the jets and when they played uh, the Vikings, but the five wins in a row that they have had have been home against Pittsburgh at Detroit at Chicago home against Cleveland home against Houston. This offense is really, really explosive, but they've also played five pretty bad teams in a row. Uh, Yeah. you know, and not that Cleveland or Detroit, like not that those aren't frisky teams, um, but they're not, you know, we're not talking about like playoff teams here. And the stretch coming up is at San Francisco, at the Chargers, at Buffalo, uh, those three games. And then they're home against Green Bay, which they should win that game. They have to win at least two of those games in this next four for me to feel like, you know what, this team is is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Yeah, and for as good as their running game has been over the past couple of weeks, especially since acquiring Jeff Wilson, most are banged up too. That uh, doesn't help, but uh, I know this is a is a popular take over um, <clears throat> most of sports media right now. But 
Uh, you know, we're getting down to to crunch time, and you got to be able to run the ball uh, when it comes down to it uh, in, in late season and in the playoffs. Uh, I don't I don't care about the the cold weather thing because they play in Miami. That that'll play itself out. They got to go to New York and they have to play in Buffalo as well. So yeah. we'll figure that out all in December. But the commitment to the run and balancing rather than being like, oh, we're just going to send uh, Tyreek and, and Waddle out there and just see what the hell happens. Yeah. They just played a, a Texans team that's pretty good in the secondary uh, for as young as they are. But and, no, but there was no um, the, Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley, thank you. Yeah. And, and But you don't – they didn't commit to the run like they had over the past few weeks, uh, which for that Texans team, you can run all over them. Yeah. And, and – the fact that they didn't look, I, I get that it was still a blowout, but like they, when, I mean, when it comes down to it, what you want to see out of your offense is balance, commit to the run, and, and then let let Tua and, and the offensive explosion happen. But we also just saw the, the Rams win a Super Bowl last year not having to run the football. You know, like, True. like if, if you can supplement the running game with short passes, which we saw Kansas City do with Tyreek Hill for years – they can do it with Hill. They can do it with Waddle. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball to Jeff Wilson out of the backfield. Like they have plenty of options for if, if they want to do that. Uh, so I'm not worried about them necessarily just because the traditional rushing stats aren't there. There's just not a whole lot to take away from this game because that once they benched Tua, they were up 30 to nothing. And then the Texans almost came back and ruined uh, everybody who took Miami. So thank you, Miami, for not letting that happen, uh, though you tried your damn near best to let that happen. Uh, all right, next up here, Jets, Bears, Mike White. How about Mike White? Keep him in. <laughs> Dude, you have to. You have to. Like, <laughs> he's so clearly so much better than Zach Wilson. And I know they played the Bears, right? I, I know the Bears are not a good football team, and they didn't have Justin Fields in this game either, uh, which I didn't know when I made the pick, and I definitely would not have taken the Bears well, that, plus four and yeah. a half. Um, but – that you came out after you made the pick. And That's, also then yeah. their backup got hurt in, in warmups and they were operating with Nathan Peterman, who they called up from the practice squad on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, they, they still had Trevor Simeon out there uh, doing his best. Uh, we did get robbed of a Nathan Peterman game. That would have been a shame. That would have been fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, this Jets defense is really good. I don't know how much, again, you can't take much of this similar to the Dolphins. Not much you can take away here. But what was nice was, like when when they drafted Garrett Wilson, we sat there and said, "Man, you got Garrett Wilson. You have Elijah Moore, who led the team in receiving as a rookie last year, and then uh, you have Corey Davis. Like that's three good pass rushers and or pass catchers, and two of them could be fucking amazing. But Zach Wilson and Elijah Mitch or Elijah Moore never really got on the same page again this year. Um, to the point where he wanted to trade. Yeah, and Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore. Garrett Wilson had. Uh, four touchdown catches this year. Two of them are from are from Flacco. Two of them are from Mike White. So Zach Wilson hasn't been able to connect with Garrett Wilson either. So I don't know what you do as the Jets. Simply, I mean, I do. You have to roll with Mike White. You just you have to. I mean, at this point, I would start with Mike White, and then with how good the defense has played, I would keep Joe Flacco in as the backup because at least Flacco, you know, can go in and win a game for you. I don't know what you do with Zach Wilson. I, I really don't. Maybe you look at one of these teams like Denver or something like that in the offseason who's in cap hell, right? And just signed a big quarterback, but they don't, they can't move off the contract. So maybe you try to move somebody around, send them to a, a, a I don't know. Uh, to me, Zach Wilson is going to quickly become Josh Rosen. 
I think he's going to get replaced quickly. I don't know if Mike White's going to be the guy long-term, but we've seen now two different big-time Mike White games. Now, the first time Mike White started on that Thursday night game and had, the, what, the four or five touchdown passes, whatever it was. Five. Five. <laughs> then the next week he threw like three or four picks and was absolutely horrible. We'll see if that happens again, right? And ultimately, will Zach Wilson probably get another chance to run this team? Yes. But when you see just the change in quarterback, the way the team responded, the the shots of him sitting on the bench, all that stuff, it doesn't look good for the long-term future of Zach Wilson. No. No, it doesn't. And, and look – if if we're having this conversation and the Jets are four and seven in that tough division, then it's like, eh, might as well throw the kid back in after he's he's, you know, paid his his punishment for for being a jerk last week. But Jets are right in the mix still, uh, and I don't think at this point you as a football team can risk throwing the guy out there who who just looks still lost we're a year and a half in on zach wilson and he looks absolutely lost on yeah. an nfl football field Completely. so you got it you have to put in the guy the quarterback who gives you the best chance to win the game and, and that's mike to. white that's mike white you have yeah. too much you have too much talent around you um michael carter who got banged up in the backfield but they still have james robinson who they traded for midseason. the offensive line hasn't been the same since elijah bear tucker and that's part of it too but you at least have guys plus we, and we talked about the skill position guys and you have CJ Ozama, who's a veteran who can help you in the passing game a little bit there as well. There's too many weapons on this offense for the jets to have been as anemic as they've been offensively. And when it was uh, the combo of, of um, blanking on his name, the, the, the kid, the rookie out of uh, Iowa state um, who got hurt and out for the year, Scotty helped me. Brees Hall, thank you. When Brees Hall like broke out and then got hurt, and then you still had Michael Carter, like that two-headed monster, that offense was completely predicated on the run, and they worked play action off of it. And it was a, it was very similar to the the Rams offense when McVay first got there when it was Todd Gurley and Jared Goff is kind of working the bootlegs and everything off of that. Because Zach Wilson could do that because it's easier to throw the ball when you can run the ball. And they had committed to the run, but between Elijah Vera Tucker being knocked out for the season and then Brees Hall getting knocked out for the season, they haven't been able to run the ball. So you need to throw it. And the second that they were forced in a situation where Zach Wilson had to be the one making plays, he completely crumbled. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a, a, a situation where you know, we see Zach Wilson take that next step. And Mike White well, but again, has at least like, proven that he can do that. He can at least throw again, the ball 30 times yeah, in a game. Exactly. I, and again, if this is four and seven Jets uh, or lower, as they've been at this point for, for the last few years. Totally different conversation. It's a different conversation because you're like, then fine. Just go out there and get your reps, Zach Wilson. And, and that's how you're going to learn. You're going to be, it's baptism by fire, uh, which might be scary for a Mormon person. But, um, <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but a seven and four team in the mix, you have to play yeah. the guy who's going to give you the best chance. hundred percent. And they look, they have two tough games coming up at Miami, at Minnesota, at Buffalo, but then it's Detroit, Jacksonville and Seattle. You win those three games. You're you at least cement 10 wins. And that should be enough to get you in the playoffs. And if Mike white leads this team to the playoffs, if Miami in week 18 has nothing to play for and they bench their starters and you win that game, and you finish at 11 and six, right? That is huge. And at that point, 
you go with Mike White for the for the for at least the foreseeable future, right? Mm-hmm. I have a feeling Mike White might turn into like a Taylor Heineke kind of story where we look at this team has good young defense, right? Has some good skill players on the outside, but that quarterback <laughs> position is just and there. And the guy but, wins you football games. And the guy <laughs> wins you it. football games. He's gonna turn the ball over. <laughs> he's gonna have games where he's just bombing the hell out of it and makes big plays, but he's gonna give you a chance to win the game. And right now, Zach Wilson has not done that. So Credit on the Jets. Um, all right, a few more games in the 1 o'clock window. Falcons, Commanders. Uh, the the Commanders squeak by here. Yeah, um, watch out got, now. Watch got, out now in the NFC East. No question, <laughs> but they also got real lucky to win this game. Um, the Commanders are a really good football team. Um, I, I've said it now for the last couple weeks since they beat the Eagles. They run the ball really well. They have good skill guys on the outside. They get easy one-on-one matchups because of how well they've been running the football. The offensive line is compiled of of a a bunch of backups, but they've played together now for five or six weeks. It's one of the most underrated things in football is continuity on the offensive line, having guys that have played together. It's not just that Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and all those guys are really good. It's that they've played thousands and thousands of snaps together. And now we're seeing that with the commanders where it's like, hey, this unit may not be the most talented offensive line unit, but they run blocking is a hell of a lot easier than pass blocking. It is for offensive linemen. They'd much rather go after an attack than be on the defensive and being able to have that continuity, knowing where those guys are going to be has helped this team be able to run the ball successfully. It's helped. I mean, Heineke didn't really do much of anything the last two weeks statistically anyway, but again, he did enough for them to win the game. He wasn't killing yeah, them. He he's makes not smart killing them, plays. He doesn't take sacks. Them on turnovers like he has in years past. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I I love the commitment to to the run that uh that Washington has has made over the past few weeks and it's not just been Antonio Gibson. In fact, he's been better catching the ball as a receiver uh than he has been out of the out of the backfield as a runner and I love what Brian Robinson Jr. is doing. Mm-hmm. I, I what a story. Uh number 1 to to have gotten shot and then uh, started playing in, in what week five, week six, something like that. Yeah. Um, and now he's 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 in a game where he gets eighteen carries and and goes over a hundred yards. Yeah. And he's a hell of a football player too. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. he's he's really been a big help and and yeah. The, and look, the they, offense looks different. No question. And they got they got lucky in this game. The the Falcons. I really thought the Falcons were going to come back steal that game well, at the end. Um, and the deflection off the helmet. But again, that's the luck, right? That's the lucky stick. That's the shit that comes in. It is. Will, will help you win football games. It is. But do you, I mean, so this is, this is where, you know, if, if you're, if you're a Falcons fan, you're, you're telling the team, Hey, why don't we throw the ball with Marcus Mariota more? And then you're like, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> that play at the end. That's oh. why we don't do it. I mean, it, it's a tough play, right? And yeah, right. And and they were so close on the play before to punching it in, and so the Commanders made the stops that they needed to, no question. Um, and the defense is playing really well. Again, that the young secondary there has gotten better and better as the season's gone on. So, I'll I'll tell you what. Again, the Commanders. I'm more afraid of Washington than I am of New York, because um, Heineke oh, at yeah. least it will sling agree. it around a little bit, and the defense is a significantly better, and they can run the ball, and both both of them can run the ball. Um, so yeah, Washington, they're in a good spot and Atlanta, you're only a half game out of first place. And what's crazy is Atlanta, Atlanta should be a seven and five team, right? They're just a couple of weird bounces away, but I continue to like this Atlanta team. And I'll I'll say right now, I think Atlanta wins the NFC South. Oh, I love that. I think it, I I hope so. I think Atlanta finds a way to win the NFC South. 
I hope they do because the loss will look less bad for the Niners. Yeah. And you know who else is only uh, a game or two games out of first place? The Carolina Panthers, who uh, found a way to dismantle Russell Wilson. And what a hilarious moment, too. And I, I feel bad for Vito. I know he's he's hurting right now when it comes to his, his Broncos. Um, but Russell Wilson gets his 300th career touchdown pass in a game that they lost to the Carolina Panthers, this Carolina Panthers team, right? And it was such an afterthought. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared at all. No well, one's because like, the first time it Russell happened, Wilson. then it got it got pulled back for a penalty the first yeah. time. <laughs> uh, Dulcich, who, which who, I like Dulcich a lot. He's gonna be really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a what an absolutely terrible, terrible fucking uh, loss here for the Broncos. Uh, Mike Purcell, off defensive lineman for the Broncos, getting absolutely in the face of Russell Wilson before he goes out for a drive that I've, I've watched that video conservatively about a hundred times. I love it because it's what I love about it too, is it felt like in Seattle, nobody could say anything. None of his teammates could call out Russell Wilson because he won a super bowl there, right? He's a legend there. He's, he's the best player in franchise history for Seattle. Nobody had the, the, the power quote unquote, or the social leverage, right. To go up and, and rip, rip into Russell Wilson. But now, in a new team, in a new organization where he hasn't Blank done canvas. shit, he's open season, baby. You can yeah. rip into him all you want. And I love the fact That's right. that Purcell went absolutely ape shit on Russell Wilson because he deserves it. He's been playing terribly. And I know pe- more and more people want to keep pile- – it's like everyone piled on Hackett, and then it's like, all right, well, it can't all be Hackett, so let's pile on Russ. And then everyone piled on Russ for the second half of the season so far. And then now this weekend I'm hearing everything going back to – no, Nathaniel Hackett's an idiot. And it's like, maybe they just, maybe it's a bad marriage. Maybe it just doesn't work. Maybe Hackett's not as bad as he, as he's looked. And maybe Russell Wilson's not as bad as he's looked, but nonetheless, this team is in shambles and this Broncos defense continues to ball out and do as much as they can. Well, but the Broncos are, <laughs> but the Broncos offense is just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird. You say that. Cause I, I had sort of a different perspective. Like this was the one game I thought that the Broncos defense didn't play up to the level that they've been playing over the past few weeks where it's like, Hey, we're doing everything we possibly can just score 18 points and we can win this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas this week, I think they kind of, you know, got lost a little bit in the, in the Panthers scheme, DJ Moore with over a hundred yards, Deontay Foreman with 113 on the ground. That typically doesn't happen against uh, the Broncos defense um, because you have to be, uh, you have to find these explosive plays somewhere, and the, and the Panthers did. So, so I think that was a, a, a quarter of a step back for the for the Broncos' defense. And for their offense, I think it was a, a half a step forward. Being able to run the ball the way that they did, that was the best running game out of the Broncos' offense I've seen since like week one with yeah. Javante Williams. Uh, and, and so the, it, it, being able to get Latavius Murray involved, uh, getting Kendall Hinton out on 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 – some jet sweeps there uh, and they have a relatively deep backfield. I don't know how much you're going to trust Marlon Mack. Uh, obviously they've cut uh, uh, Melvin Gordon, the third, but um, the way that they ran the ball effectively, I think was, was a positive for their offense and their defense uh, took, took a, a little notch, uh, a little notch down from what the, the way that they played over the past few weeks. Agreed. And, um, but at the same time, how much, how do you continue to play it at such a high level 
and and put in the same level of heart and effort the way this 100%. defense has showed yeah. when the quarterback, the $250 million quarterback, not just any quarterback, the one that they just traded, your old captain from last year, Shelby Harris, who's making impact plays for another team, right? Like how long can you continue to play at that elite, elite level when you know that you're just, you're fucked? Yeah, you know? well, it's not like in college, you know, where it's, you know, like Georgia last year, who who there I think we can all agree that their offense wasn't elite. Uh, but they had one of the most elite defenses I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they kept them in ball games. And, and I drew this comparison earlier in the year where it was like all all Russell Wilson has to do is make a play. And they'd be eight and three right now. Yeah. Right? And and you expect him to make those plays. And it's not like in college where everything the the whole playoff picture national championship depends on how successful both sides of the ball are. Yeah. Whereas in the NFL and you, as professionals, you're like, Oh, well shit, you're not going to play well. Well, screw you then. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ball out for you. If you're, if you're going to go out there with that slop. Yeah. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it's right. But it's the other thing too, is like using the Georgia comp, like Stetson Bennett didn't make mistakes, right? You know, Stetson, they ran the ball and Stetson Bennett took care of the football and made these simple, easy throws. Russell Wilson all year has just not seen the simple, easy throws. He still can throw the deep ball because he can see them. He's not seeing the middle of the field. He's not seeing the short to intermediate stuff. And he's consistently trying to call his own shit at the line of scrimmage in an offense that has different terminology and different schemes and a, a, overall a, a different feel and different players than the one that he just ran for the last 10 years in Seattle. So, I mean, look, this team's in bad in a bad spot. Seattle currently has a top five pick going to them from Denver. Uh, the Lions have a number three overall pick coming to them from the Rams, which is um, um, incredible that both of these teams now look and the, the Eagles, Rams, the, Rams, the Saints, how about that? <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the Eagles get the one from there, but all these QB trades, you know, like we we've talked about over the last couple of years, teams wanting to go all in. Well, you know, this is kind of the end result, right? The team that so far, the teams that have traded away. Now look, the Rams won a Super Bowl, So you still have to say that the Rams won that trade, but can you say that the Lions lost that trade? Because I don't think no. you can. Because no. they've and, and Garrett uh, and uh, uh, Jameson Williams should hope hopefully be back. I know he um, was act either activated off of the pup list last week. Um, yeah, but, he's supposed uh, to be back week thirteen. So that uh, would that would be amazing too to see. Jameson speaking Williams of, speaking of quarterback back. trades, how about Sam Darnold? You know, I know this, it wasn't a stellar game statistically, but no. to see him back out on the field making good decisions. I took Carolina uh, for the Sam Darnold bump. That's why I yeah. picked them last week. <laughs> I, that was that was nice to see. It was uh, as as a football fan because well, I mean that guy's had it in a bad way for the last four years. Is it, it's weird to say, but I feel bad for all three of the quarterbacks on the Panthers. I feel bad for Baker. I know that he's not as easy. I know he's not as likable as other guys. And and look, Baker has not played well this year when he's had his chances. But I don't I don't blame. Like, I feel bad for Baker still from the way that everything happened in Cleveland. PJ Walker is like. The perennial, like the dude that you feel like, God damn, this dude's just out here grinding. He's played for, what, a 12 different teams in the NFL. Uh, and then and yeah, the Sam, XFL. And the <laughs> XFL, too. And uh, and the AAF. Uh, and then, yeah, same Darnold, same boat. Same boat. Um, but we'll see. All right. Uh, next up here, last game of the 1 o'clock window. And my favorite game of the day, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. Um, look, I, there's a whole bunch we can get into from this game. I, I – in the interest of time, I really just want to focus on Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence, that final drive, 
was like, and honestly, a bunch of times throughout this whole game, the fourth quarter in particular, that was elite level football. Like that wasn't just like, oh, like he's, but no, I mean, that was like from the second quarter That was his arrival. (laughs) This was like the, oh, everything clicked game against. That was the. Against veteran cornerbacks, Dan Orlovsky did a breakdown of the touchdown pass um, on Twitter. He did a breakdown of the touchdown pass to Jamal Agnew. No, no, the one to Jamal Agnew on the wheel route or or not the wheel route. It was the the, the go route. Um, And like he was breaking down the little subtleties and stuff and the throw that that Trevor had on and how quick he had to launch it. And like typically, you know, a very common thing that people who know enough about football, the whole idea of, you know, looking off of safety. Right. And then throwing the deep ball to make sure you have enough space so the safety doesn't come over the top and get it. What Trevor Lawrence did was a much more condensed version of that with uh, Marcus Peters, who he basically baited Mike Marcus Peters into jumping what he was going to think would be the uh, underneath the quick slant route, froze him with a quick. Literally, all he did was take his left hand off the ball for a second, didn't even pump fake, but it was left. And then in that same motion, rip this like in between level shot, right? The leveling things the two is really good at. And a lot of these mm-hmm. younger quarterbacks have grown up learning, but it was on a rope and he had to throw it in front of the safety coming up the crash from playing too deep cover two. And then over the head of Marcus Peters, who's sitting back and then steps up to kind of jump and freezes him and just throws an absolutely perfect football. And then yes, the two minute drive, the fourth down conversions, the two point conversion at the end uh, was a really hard throw. Yes. And it's it's a it could be a franchise slash career changing play call by Doug Peterson. Yeah, Uh, but I loved it. You know, at that point, you know, you have very little to lose and a whole lot to gain out of it. Right. If you miss it, it's great. You still played a great game against an elite team in the AFC. Uh, And you came up just a little bit short play here or there. You could have gone your way. You go for it and get it. You win that game. I mean, like you said, this is for sure. I think Trevor Lawrence is a rival uh, because of everything that happened in that game and the way it ended. Uh, and and B too is is uh, it could be franchise changing, you know. Uh, and they're not out of the mix in that division, by the way. Um, uh, it would be it's, tough. it's a long it, it shot. Would, it would but be tough. It, it's, but yeah, yeah, I think they have but, another game against Tennessee still, so it's possible. Yeah, uh, but I'm like, no, I, it, it is. It, it was Trevor Lawrence's arrival. It was the 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 first time we've seen him fully deliver on the guy that we all really hoped uh, he would be. The first the overall pick. Had, yeah. yeah, and there's been little flashes here and there, but this was like, and how pumped up he was, the energy he had at the end of that game. You could tell that the weight. Of, of being the adult in the room as a rookie because your head coach is out there putting his fingers in places that they aren't supposed to be. And I mean mm, that yeah. quite literally. That is that is not an analogy. That is not a euphemism. That is quite literally what Urban Meyer was doing. And the fact that Trevor Lawrence had to be the adult as a 21, 22-year-old kid as the number one overall draft pick and the pressure he already felt from that going to an organization that has historically struggled and he's handled it all with grace and class and you've never heard a peep or a bad thing about him. He's been that adult and the maturity factor of Trevor Lawrence is so fucking impressive. And now he finally got the opportunity to come down in a big stage and execute and do it the right way. And he delivered in a 
big time way. And I absolutely yeah. loved what I saw in that game. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to leave out Zay Jones either, man. Like no, Zay Jones had an game. amazing game. He's had a bizarre uh, a, career, dude. I, he's uh, right? Not at ECU, goes to Buffalo, is a bust immediately. Is out of the, the Raiders. Well, he was out of the league for at one point. Uh, that's finds, right, his, yeah. finds his way back with the Raiders as like their third, fourth option. Then a couple injuries happen. He plays well with Derek Carr. He gets another contract. And then, yeah, he's had a good year. Um, and with some of the injuries to, you know, like Marvin Jones Jr., and uh, Christian Kirk, he's had to be one of the better players on that Jags team, and and he's done well. Um, do you want to touch on the Ravens before we take a quick break? Um, I've said it all year. This There's something off about this Ravens team. Um, I've wanted to like them. I've taken them four straight weeks to cover in games that they were favored to win, and they haven't covered once. Uh, I, there is something weird going on with this Ravens team. and I, I'll and tell I, you what it is. I don't know what you're going to say. It's hardball, but – I, I, it is. I, Go hire his brother. I mean, please. I, I don't know what it is because the defense hasn't been that bad. The defense let them down in this game for sure. But even Lamar, like the Jags are a, a decent defense, but like 12 points through three quarters against the Jaguars and you have Lamar Jackson. Like, I know you don't have any wide receivers, but you have Mark Andrews. You can run the ball. Like why? Why is this team? I mean, Sean Jackson had seventy four yards. Well, that <laughs> catch, that that catch, and that was awesome. It was so good to see yeah, Deshaun the, back. Big one. Um, but I, why won't this team go back and do the simple three tight ends shit that they were doing that was going to revolutionize football back when he won the MVP in twenty nineteen? Like at this point, nothing else in the offense is working. Go back and let look. Just put it all on Lamar. Like you have a chance here at seven and four. You should be. At least, at least this team should have nine wins. But they don't because they haven't let – and look, that's the thing too. It's like they're still seven and four even with this. But in the games they've won, the game against Carolina last week, it didn't look great. And each week it's been like, oh, well, you know, the defense is all right. Oh, no wide receivers, no whatever. He didn't have wide receivers when he won the MVP. He was right. throwing to Willie Sneed. You know, like he – like this is a guy who should – single-handedly take over games and they're not doing the things and i know his rushing stats are better than they've ever been but yet it just doesn't look right and i for the life of me can't figure it out i need i need like a 20 minute sit down with dan orlovsky in front of you know a, a smart board and a projector screen i need him to show me everything and break it all down because i for the life of me cannot figure it out it's Harbaugh. Go hire his brother. All right. Uh, all right. Do <laughs> you have anything else no, other man. than it's Harbaugh? I mean, Harbaugh's only been, you know, one of the most successful coaches in the NFL over the last Terrible. You know, Shouldn't have won the Super Bowl. It was holding uh, in the end zone against the Niners. So, uh, no, man, like, I, you're right. I don't know what it is because the defense is playing at, at a more than capable level. Uh, yeah. But, again, and all of these, these, these blunders, especially even in some of the games they've won, it's all been like mid third quarter and on. Like yeah. they've played well throughout the the rest of the the other three and a half quarters or two and a half quarters. What yeah? What what is the the part that's that's preventing you from closing out a game? I don't know. Justin Tucker. I I think we all thought he was going to make that kick at the end of the game. Oh too. my god! I, yeah, I want. I wanted it. I didn't need it. That for was fantasy, shorter, by I the wanted. way. Than that was shorter than I thought. When when I looked at it live from the behind the the kicker view, as they always show, well, when it's happening. I it was like, in oh, the air it's got forever. the leg. And then yeah. it was, I was like, oh, well, you know it was what just it short. And then they showed see... the replay from behind yeah. the goalpost. And I was like, oh, that was like four yards short. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't, the thing is, is, you don't see a lot of 67 yard field goal attempts. 
and you don't see a lot of Justin Tucker because he even took the extra half step in his setup um, and really gave it all. I mean, the 66 yarder. Yeah. <laughs> remember, the 66 yarder barely made it in against Detroit, and that was indoors. So it was definitely a little bit of high hopes uh, for, for the Ravens. But you just, you just don't see kicks that go that far from that angle. So it just it looked like it stayed in the air forever. And I was I was surprised. I honestly was surprised. It got gusted it too. Yeah. yeah. I, when they showed the behind the the goalpost view, it like hung up there and then it got gusted and moved yeah. over a couple. If of he inches was downwind, then... I think I think he I think it goes in. But because uh, he that, gave it yeah. everything he had and, and it was dead straight too. But all right, let's take a quick break. We have five more games to get to, and then we'll get everybody out to the rest of your week. All right, continue on the late window games. Uh, Chargers Cardinals. Awesome finish to this game. Justin Herbert silencing the Emmanuel Achos of the world. God, Emmanuel Acho's dumb. He's just a he's just a big dummy. Uh, he can talk football because he played football. Like he knows X's and O's that normal fans don't, and he knows that. So he relies on it. But God, he's a big old dummy. He's such a talking head. It's just, it drives me nuts. Um, calling Justin Herbert, if you didn't hear, call Justin Herbert a social media quarterback because of the analytics behind it and always big and strong and makes these serves. Justin Herbert's a fucking stud. Like he just flat out is. Uh, and, and I'm a big time Justin Herbert fan. And I didn't think they were going to win this game. I've, what do you say? What are you throwing your arms up, Scotty? I've always said I love Justin Herbert. I know. I know. All right. There's not, nothing I ever said was disparaging against Herbert. I just like Joe Burrow more. I still stand by that. Um, <laughs> Justin Herbert is a really good, really talented player. And this was a gutsy win for the Chargers. And it was a win that didn't look like it was going to happen at the end of the game. They could not move the ball in the fourth quarter until that last drive. Uh, and look, I mean, offensively, no Mike Williams. You're relying on Josh Palmer, who's been a nice player for them, and, and Keenan Allen, who's been a nice player for them. The defense chasing around, chasing Kyler Murray around. The Cardinals uh, just, I mean, I, I was thinking about this. Like, the hard knocks, if it, if you just took all the games and all the plot lines and everything about the hard knocks thing, including, like, the really short, athletic, kind of douchey quarterback like Kyler Murray, but you made it like a mockumentary show, like The Office or, like, Ted Lasso, or, you know what I mean? But, like, one of those type shows, but it was a comedy, it would sell, so, it would do so well. Like, like take all of the ups and downs, but just write funny lines and make it really funny. And like you hate almost like always sunny, but on a football team because you oh, hate DeAndre them. Hopkins would be the best on that show <laughs> because you hate every single character in the show and you know, they're all <laughs> terrible people, but it would just be funny to watch them all shoot themselves in the foot over and over again. That's how I feel about the Cardinals, even like JJ Watt, who would be like the all American, like kind of dumb you know, jock looking dude in the middle of all of it. Who's just like, Oh man, I don't know. I'm just here to play the footballs. Uh, I don't know, man. The Cardinals are just a joke right now. Uh, four and eight Kingsbury keeps saying he's not worried about his job. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't feel that confident if I was him, but um, I feel pretty confident in saying that I think the chargers are that wild card team. That's not Buffalo that I would like, I think they're better than the jets. Right, I don't think they're better than Buffalo or Miami, whichever one of those teams gets the top wild card. But if you're that third seed in the AFC and you got to play the Chargers, um, I would be worried about them more so than Baltimore. Uh, or, or I can't say Cincinnati because we'll have to see how that division shakes out. But I just I think the Chargers make the playoffs finally for Herbert because I I do think they're they're finding ways to win some close games at the end, and they've been in a lot of big time games already. 
Yeah. And a lot of what I've said over the past couple of weeks is finding success with Herbert has had to be in the dink and dunk game. And finally, he kind of got unleashed a little bit, uh, even as good as the the rush and probably the best pass rushing game uh, we've seen out of the, the Arizona Cardinals this season, because uh, Isaiah Simmons was a freak in this game. Yeah. Uh, he, they he finally started to use him the way it. he should. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, with the with as beat up as that offensive line has been, it's kind of been a little dink and dunk. I mean, still, you had uh, a little of that this week. Austin Eckler had 11 catches out of the backfield. Um, but he's he's been able to find the open guy uh, downfield, whether that's Josh Palmer, whether that's DeAndre Carter in this game, who had, I think, seven catches. Um, he, he's been able to to work the blitz. And it's kind of, again, reminiscent of what we saw in the first two years where he was the best quarterback against the uh, the blitz. Because and, he had to. Yeah, because he had to. Because he it had just, to be, yeah. right? Exactly. And, and so you're kind of seeing that a little bit more uh, over the past couple of weeks. And I think you're right. You know, uh, the the defense is good enough that it's going to keep you in games. And then Justin Herbert doing his thing is going to be able to win you games. Uh, it is a tough, a little t- bit of a tough stretch uh, down, down the lane here. You got the Raiders, but then you got the Dolphins and Titans back to back. Luckily, both of those are at home, um, but still, those are your two toughest games remaining on the schedule um, if you're the Chargers. So, you know, I think you got to think playoffs and hope that your offensive line continues to to get a little bit more healthy. But the, I feel like every week there's at least one starter on that offensive line that like, gets banged up and uh, and has to go out. I mean, and not having Rashawn Slater for the season, I mean, that's just – that's such a – it's such a tough thing to overcome. If he's playing, I think I do think the Chargers uh, are easily in the playoffs at this point. I think they probably are a seven or eight win team at this point if they never lose Rashawn Slater. I think he does make that much of an impact. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I like the Chargers. I like Herbert, and I hope they find a way to find themselves in the playoffs. Uh, all right, up next, Raiders, Seahawks, the Josh Jacobs game, 33 carries, 229 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and, uh, and Derek Carr, Look, just they made a lot of things easy for him. The pass rusher, Seattle, has seemingly disappeared. Um, but, you know, I thinking back on this, I mean, the, the biggest problem for Seattle, which shocked me with this game, they couldn't run the ball. Um, yes. Kenneth Walker. That's exactly two, what I said. Kenneth Walker had two touchdowns, but he only had, four, he had 14 carries for 26 yards. Like, they couldn't run and, the ball consistently. And because Geno, like, look, I know Geno had the bad interception, and that one's on him. That's the first like bad Geno play I feel like we've seen this year. And then he had the strip sack. Um, but other than that, like Geno played pretty well, 27 to 37, yeah. 330 yards, two touchdowns. He made plays to keep them in the game the whole it's, time. It's not the issue. It's the issue is you need that run game to, to make that offense explosive. Yeah. That's the only well, time we, that that offense is any good as a unit. And then on defense, like, I'm sorry. They're Tariq Woolen and what else? Yeah. Like they don't well, have a pass rush. They they can't cover anyone that isn't Tariq Tariq Woolen. I I I don't see it. I don't. Well, and I think this is similar to the Giants, right? Like I think we're talking about a team, a young team. And we talk about this all the time with Tom Brady and the Patriots, right? They would always circle November. November was always the most important month. Um, because that's when a team, a veteran team that's going to make a run towards the playoff, they train and kind of taper to that to get to that point. And then that's when they kind of take off because they know their identity, they know what they're doing. Young teams like the Giants, 
like Seattle who have overachieved, they're not tapering that way. They're going into this every single game like it's the most important game. They're going full tilt, full throttle the whole time. And eventually you get to this time of year, and that's typically when teams fall off. That's what we've seen with the Giants. That's what we're seeing now with Seattle. I still think Seattle's good. I think that defense was so young that eventually it was going to catch up to them. And injuries and everything else kind of play a factor into that. Um, but I still look at Gino like Gino is continuing to play well. Like I don't, I don't put the loss. The, the one interception in the first no. half really fucked them. I still can't believe the Seahawks lost this game. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I look at this one. It's not on Gino. I, I think the offensive line is young. I think the defense is really, really young, and I think the future is still bright for them. Uh, and they'll at least have competent quarterback. Like, I don't know if Gino, like, I think they'll probably sign Gino to like a two year, like a three year extension, but the third year is a team option. Um, and, and they'll see what they do to help develop this young team until they're able to either trade for a quarterback or trade up to draft one, uh, or who knows, maybe they'll end up, you know, they have the Denver first round pick this year. So maybe they end up taking one of these top quarterbacks to sit and learn under Gino for a couple of years while they still can go out and compete and, and get playoff experience. Uh, but I do think all things considered, the Seahawks team has been a really fun team to watch. I don't think they're out of it yet either because the Giants are also on the way down and the Seahawks have the tiebreaker against them. And the Seahawks remaining schedule is not overly intimidating. Uh, they have the Rams, the Cardinal, or the, sorry, the Rams, the Panthers. A week have- 15 game. <laughs> yep, and then they have to play the Niners in Kansas City, which I don't think they'll win either of those games, though you never know with Seattle and San Francisco. That game's in Seattle. Uh, and then it's the Jets and the Rams again. So that could be one, two, three, four more wins. That could get you to 10 wins. And if they're tied with the Giants, they have the head-to-head, they make the playoffs. So I, I wouldn't count out the Seahawks, um, but I do just think the youth and inexperience has kind of caught up to them. And that's what happens with a young team that kind of overachieves a little bit. Uh, the Raiders, on the other hand, two wins in a row. Good for them. Um, still I, not a good football team. It still doesn't feel like it. You know, the defense still can't stop shit. Like, yeah, they held the offense or they held Kenneth Walker to 26 yards. I think it was 66 yards of total rushing. Um, but the, you also got lit up for over 300 through the air. Uh, and and the defense From a terrible still, quarterback. Not a terrible quarterback. Quarterback who's played very well and very efficiently this year. Um, so yeah, not great for the Raiders, but Hey, two wins in a row is big. And honestly, these two wins probably saved Josh McDaniel's job. Um, at least in terms of like the locker room and stuff, I don't know the financial aspect of whether or not they can fire Josh McDaniels is, uh, is a whole nother beast because of they're still paying John Gruden, uh, the settlement and everything there. Plus, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Davis is not the most, um, financially liquid person i think is is kind of the way if, if you read up on kind of that situation um yeah so it's going to be interesting to see but for now raiders two wins we'll see if it changes anything for their season uh rams chiefs i don't think there's a whole lot to get into with this game look the Rams star no. bryce perkins cool cool story i mean i loved him at uva he was a really fun player it was cool to see him get an opportunity to start a game he didn't play terrible considering you know all things considered but this was definitely one where the Chiefs, they were like, look, we know we're going to win this game. We know we can go down and score anytime we want. We're going to try to play ball control. We're not threatened by this deep by this offense that L.A. is putting out there. So let's rest our guys. Let's not go super crazy, and let's win a football game. And they did. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, like the 15th different offensive line combination for the, uh, for the Rams. So uh, that doesn't help you by any means. I wasn't impressed though. Uh, as good as the Chiefs play, they come out with the win. Everybody expected that. Patrick Mahomes is 27 of 42. Hmm. A- after weeks where he's come off of like 30 for 37s and, and things like that uh, over the last like three, four weeks. That's that's weird to me. That seems like a weird outlier. And I know he threw for 320 yards and a touchdown, but he still threw an interception. There were there were um, spots where um, either nothing was open and he was trying to make a weird decision to to throw the ball, or he just missed guys. It was just an odd, like weird Patrick Mahomes game. And I don't know if if it's just like both a statistical outlier and uh, and you know one of those games that just is an outlier. Yeah. Uh, relative to the rest of his his season but i i don't know maybe keep an eye on it it just doesn't seem right no i don't think there's anything to take away from it i think it's look it's mahomes isn't going to be absolutely perfect every single game that's part of it uh and then number two it's it's goes back to like the hey this wasn't a game that he was going to be overly sharp for you know this wasn't going to be a game where he comes in and and it has to be so super lightning focused. It's a game that he knew he could bring his B game and still win comfortably. You know, how many other quarterbacks do we see 27 to 42 for 320 and a touchdown? And we go, holy shit, what a what a day, right? For Mahomes, that's a subpar line, but that just goes to how amazing Mahomes is. And he didn't look he didn't look amazing um by any stretch, but he did enough to win the game. And I think the Chiefs knew that going into this game was we don't have to be perfect. We just have yeah. to do enough to make sure we win this game and we and we we kind of put it to bed. And, and I think that's kind of how they did it. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it is an outlier because he can turn it on at any time. Yeah. And like, I saw I saw a stat too. Uh, Kelsey just passed Tony Gonzalez for the most receiving yards by a tight end in uh, his first 11 years in the NFL. Um, the only problem with that stat, which I found very funny, is that uh, Travis Kelsey has only played 10 seasons. <laughs> And uh, he didn't play including this year, including this year. This is his 10th season. And he didn't play his entire rookie year. Zero offensive snaps his rookie year. So essentially, he beat Tony Gonzalez, Tony Gonzalez's 11 season mark in eight and and a half half years. (laughs) That's why Travis Kelsey is really fucking good at football. Um, Tight end one. Just remember that next year when everyone tells you, oh, no, maybe it's time he's going to fall off the cliff. No, ride him until it's gone. Uh, all right, two more games here. Your Saints, or sorry, your Niners played the Saints. Whoa. <laughs> uh, shut out the Saints for the first time since 2001, which is 21 years since the Saints have been shut out. I guess that's what happens when you have Drew Brees for you know 15 of those years, but mm-hmm. uh, or 12, however long he played there. Um, this was a weird game because the Saints were on the goal line multiple times had multiple opportunities to punch in the ball and turn the ball over Alvin Kamara fumbling literally within the one yard line. Uh, And then the one touchdown the Niners scored was tipped by Tyron Matthew in the back of the end zone and dropped into Juwan Jennings hands. What a Uh, catch. I I guess, I don't know. I'm curious how your, what your thoughts are. Obviously it's your squad, but um, I didn't think Jimmy, Jimmy G got hit in the mouth today. This was a, I felt like not a Jimmy G was bad day. This was a, what the hell is going on with the Niners offensive line game? Uh, yeah, well, I would look at the right side and uh, Warrington's own uh, Mike McGlinchey, who's yeah. just been an absolute sieve all, all season. Uh, that right side has been a problem 
and uh, and not only just McGlinchey, but we're lacking depth on on that side as well. Uh, and Trent and so Williams I think went that's, down at one point during the game too, didn't he? Uh, no, it was a different offensive lineman. But oh. uh, but yeah, I, it, 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 in any case, we don't have a ton of depth on the offensive line. I think you saw that in the. Uh, in the stretch where we were uh, banged up and losing games to Atlanta's and the, uh, and, uh, and so I, I that's, that's a, going to be a problem down the stretch is the health uh, of that, of the offensive line. Uh, the other big question mark is the health of Christian McCaffrey uh, because he's apparently playing banged up. I think he only had like a 40% snap share this week and, you know, talk about depth there in the running back room. They trade away Jeff Wilson jr. Elijah Mitchell comes back. Elijah Mitchell's banged up with the sprained MCL. So um, lacking depth in the running back room all of a sudden um, are the Niners. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they 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 put together the offense to to be able to win games. I think you're going to see a lot more of this, like the 13 nothings, let the defense do their thing and keep them in the game uh, and, and know that your offense is good enough with uh, Debo, who's also banged up, uh, your wide receiving core, George Kittle out there, uh, Ayuk. Um, to to keep you in games and win games, um. So I think you're going to see a lot. I, I I would start hammering the unders if I were you, uh, on the on the 49ers games this uh, the rest of the way. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot of question marks. Um, uh, you know, and Jimmy didn't play his best. Uh, this was probably one of the worst uh, games this season, decision making wise, uh, for Jimmy. Uh, not only was he getting banged up, but like, uh, even even some of the uh the throws there was. There was a couple of spots I saw in that game where um, he would go through his progression, which is usually right to left, right? And you'd go X receiver, uh, Kittle as the as the tight end, and then your Y receiver on the outside. Three three times in the red zone, he went through his progression, made the first read. Christian McCaffrey was wide open for a walk in touchdown. Yeah, I saw that. I saw right? the first. I saw the first one that he went out on the left. Yeah. He ran the little the little flat route. Three times, and, and so that's that's the kind of stuff that, and they'll get it cleaned up. That's Kyle Shanahan; he's going to figure that stuff out. Um, but the injuries are a big concern right now. The defense is playing lights out. They've played, they've pitched four uh, second half shutouts in the in the four game win streak here. They have not allowed a point in the second half in four games. Yeah, um, and and so um, I want to see if I wasn't an Eagles fan, I would I would kill to see. The Eagles and Niners play. I would have that over under at about 34 and a half. I don't know though, because like <laughs> I, I, it could, because I would expect the Niners to be able to hold the Eagles to probably, you know, 20 something points. Um, and I would expect the Eagles to be able to hold the Niners to something similar. I would probably set it at about 40, maybe 40 and a half. But I just feel like the matchup between those two teams is. It's fascinating, right? You have and the, un, you have and the you unbelievable could see it in the, in yeah. the highest of stakes. <laughs> Yeah, it was Jeff, good. It our friendship might be on the line. It might be. It might be. The podcast may not survive that. Well, yeah, I mean, the egg and, and potential NFC championship game. But just think about like the Eagles offensive line and how Kelsey's able to get to the second level and maul those linebackers. And then but you're going up against the best linebacker in football and Fred Warner, um, the safeties for uh, San Francisco playing really, really well. Uh, it, they would definitely force Jalen to try to beat him with his arm, which he's shown he's been able to do this year. But the Eagles also can ru- have been able to run the ball on anybody uh, that they want to when they've chosen to when they've chose to do that. So I just feel like, and then defensively too, the Eagles' defensive line going up against a banged up offensive line to get Jordan Davis back. 
the linebacker play from guys like TJ Edward and the speed of Kazir White match up against guys like McCaffrey. And then the wide receivers and Debo and Brandon Ayuk going up against Slay and Bradbury, like it just seems like it would be an awesome, awesome matchup. And uh, for football fans, I think, I think that matchup would be really, really fun to watch. Uh, It would kill me inside and I would, I would have major anxiety. Get the heart medication ready. But it would be fun. (laughs) Um, All right. Speaking of the Eagles, let's wrap up here with the Sunday night game. Uh, The over hit with, uh, with ease in the first half of this game. Uh, Eagles get up to a 13, nothing lead that they immediately blow. And they blew the, uh, a two touchdown lead in the first quarter. Not too many times that that has happened in NFL history, but um, this was the Jalen hurts, like MVP stamp game yeah. national he had a hu- over a hundred in the first quarter rushing yeah. yards. He had 153 in the air, 157 on the ground. First quarterback in NFL history to throw for two touchdowns and have over 150 in, a, uh, in the air and 150 on the ground. Um, he is a game changer, man. And the offensive line is so good for Philadelphia right now. And the defense, look, there was a couple of things there. The one thing, and I talked about this in the in the Minnesota game too, and it happened on Monday night against Washington, when the Lynx getting rowdy in big-time national games at night, there is a propensity where the crowd gets so amped up and they get up to this big lead. It's hap- happening against Minnesota. It happened against Washington. And then it happened against Green Bay. They get out to a lead and then – it all just kind of gets flat for some reason. The team starts to get flat. They start to get lazy. And part of that is this like high energy style that Sirianni has where it's not like a militant organization. It's not the Belichick, you know, hard. It's like he wants guys to play with energy and emotion. But sometimes when you let guys do that, you get up to a big lead. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, we're good. Don't got to worry about anything. And next thing you know, the Packers now up 14, 13. Three different times in this game, the Eagles had opportunities to be up two touchdowns uh, and each one of those is a separate two touchdown lead. It's not like it was like, you know, coming. No, it's like they just kept scoring the ball, moving the ball downfield at ease whenever they wanted to uh, AJ Brown with the key fumble. I did not realize he had food poisoning this week. He lost seven pounds since last Sunday's yeah. game and he had a blood vessel popped in his eye from throwing up so much. Um so obviously, Lord. yeah, like the dude is a gamer. I'm not, it's back. To, I mean, he's had three total career fumbles going into last yeah, week against and the Colts. Back and to now, back games. Now he's had it in back to back weeks. Hopefully, look, he's gets got to get that shit figured out. But this Eagles team continues to win a different way every single There's not been a single set of wins that the Eagles have won this year that has looked the same. And that's not just like in the sense where like, oh, well, every football game is different. I mean, like, no, like, it's the balance of how run, pass, throw. Everything that they've done has been slightly different. There's been games the defense has completely dominated. Um, the only thing that scares me about this Eagles team is the fucking special teams, which drives me up a goddamn wall. Um, the I, I added it up. The Eagles would have actually been better off kicking the ball out of bounds on every single kickoff last night. It, in totality, like if you add up the total amount of rushing mm. returning yards that they had versus the amount – that you would have gotten if you just kicked it out of bounds. It actually would have been more viable for the Eagles to kick the ball out of bounds each time. That is how bad this special teams unit has been. Uh, There's been bad penalties. Jake Elliott misses an extra point, which he's only missed one other one this year, and he hit a monstrous 50-yard field. I think it was like 56-yard field goal that was good from 61 uh, to ice that game last night. But 
you know, the Rogers storyline, Rogers leaves the game. They're bringing Jordan love. And then it's just, again, it's that laziness. There's the uh, Gardner Johnson or yeah. Gardner Johnson injury. That's going to be worth keeping an eye that's on. Huge. But, but Blankenship yeah. comes in and has us, has a pick on his third career. That snap. was, yeah, that was a great jump on that route too. He's fast as fuck, man. Yeah. Like that. And he played, but then he also is the reason why Christian Watson scored the touchdown because he took an absolutely horrible angle from safety to try to tackle uh, Christian Watson, where he went basically straight at him and Christian Watson burnt his ass like fucking toast. Um, So look, it's a great win. The Eagles offense looks really scary. The defense is starting to get a little worrisome. Um, I still don't like the way that Gannon is calling games, but they should be getting uh, Jordan Davis back next week, which is a good sign. And they'll need him against Derrick Henry. And uh, they still have Nadamakin Sue and Linville Joseph, who've helped the team a lot already. Yeah, they've played well the last and two weeks. Everyone else is playing good. You know, it's just a couple of small things here and there. Um, and it's the little mistakes with this team that are driving me nuts. So hopefully they get that stuff sorted out. You're look, 10 and one. 10 and one, never, never in a million years going into the season. I think 10 and one was possible. It's tough to win 10 football games in the NFL. Yeah. And you've done it in the, in the first 11 weeks or 11 games. They already have more wins than they did last season. And they've won one. They've lost one regular season game in the last calendar year, which is not a bad spot, which is fucking crazy. I will say this. Jalen hurts has lost one regular season game in the last calendar (laughs) year, the week 18 game that I think Gardner Minshew started. Well, you know, you know what I love best about this game? It wasn't even just Jalen Hurts running, but it was the the again, I, I said this to to one of our friends' dads this this past weekend against the Colts. They were when we were up in Philadelphia watching the game. You have to commit to the run. Look what happened when they committed to the run with Miles Sanders early. Yeah. That that just opens up the whole world for you. Uh and that's what they did early on in the year, and then they kind of shot away from it the the past few three, four games where everybody's like, Oh, are the Eagles? Uh, in trouble and it's like no they're not they're still an elite offense they just need to start running the ball yeah more often and more early well and and Jalen is is doing it with his legs too I mean 157 yeah. from him is just crazy man I mean that's just an uh, otherworldly day um it's one of the more historical stat lines that a quarterback has ever had in the history of the NFL 363 total rushing yards for the Eagles is the most since 1948 uh, it's number one all time uh, in the modern Since era. Skip Johnson carried for yeah. 4,300 yards in one I think, season. I think it was Steve. It might have been Steve Van Buren. I don't know. Got to go back and check the tapes. <laughs> but um, no, the, this Eagles team is is going to be really good. The special teams thing concerns me because that in big time playoff games like that's going to become a major major problem. Um, and, and you know, it, it was almost last night. You know, but they still found a way to win the game. And even if they don't always get up and start to run, it's the fact that like, and I'll say this too, and this is going to be the last thing we do. We talked about this year, all the additions they made, right? Uh, We know how good the offensive line was. We knew the defensive line was going to be pretty good. We knew we love Jordan Davis, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, everybody that they added, right? The whole thing was predicated on whether Jalen Hurts could just be good enough to win a couple games for them. And what it's turned into is that Jalen Hurts is the best player on the team. It's not just that he's doing enough. It's not that he's just become a Pro Bowl college. No, he is the best player on the entire roster. But I think that's the difference between 10 and 1 and 6 and 4. No question. 
No question. Six, or seven and four. Yeah. Which is something that none of us saw coming. Even if you were the most optimistic Jalen believer coming into this year, you didn't think it was going to be this. You didn't think MVP. You thought, could he be good? Could he, could he have a maybe like a Lamar 2020 type season, right? Like nobody and, thought he was going and to And he be, said, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. And he's exceeded any and all expectations, particularly from the, I mean, yes, you're going to have dumbass fans on Twitter being like, yo, Jones going to win the shit next. You know what I mean? Like those people, I don't count. The people who I count are like people who like study the sport for a living. Right. And the people who cover the team day in and day out, nobody thought this. And the fact that a team that's as loaded with talent as it is, has this guy's the best player on the team is fucking crazy. And I still think Mahomes should win MVP, but Jalen hurts after last night is absolutely in the conversation. And it's going to be I think even before he was, but he, yeah. no, he was, he was, but <clears throat> I think it's going to be Mahomes or it's going to be Hurts. And Mahomes is putting up stupid numbers, and this past week helped a little bit, which is crazy because Mahomes still threw for 320 yards. But um, Hurts is just – he's done it in so many different ways, and he single-handedly won them some games like that game against Indianapolis. This game last night, he was unbelievable. Um, and it, it's a credit to the offensive line, the coaching staff, and all that. But Jalen is the heartbeat. He is the team. He is the thermometer or thermostat, as he says. So – you know what uh, he reminds me of is is when Vic was the Eagles quarterback. There is a little bit like that. But I think Jalen's a better passer. I, I think so too, yeah. Like Vic was his best version of a thrower when he was with the Eagles, but he was always a thrower. He wasn't a like the pitcher versus thrower thing in baseball. You yeah. know, he you know, Vic was always more of a thrower than a passer. And I think Jalen's more of a passer. But even like that that one that that broken play on third and long when they were uh, in the red zone or like at the 20 yard line and Hertz rolled to his right and then circled and went all the way back to his left and threw it on the run back corner end zone to Quez Watkins. That ball was, there's the still shot of the ball right in Quez's hands with his feet still in bounds. And he just couldn't make the catch. It was a, would have been an amazing catch if he had made it. So I'm not faulting Quez, but that throw was over, over Jair. A thrower doesn't too. make that throw. Yeah. Yeah. That is elite level shit. So I love Jalen Hurts. Um, fucking love. Number two in jersey sales in the NFL right now, by the way. That hurts. <laughs> all right. That's all we got. Thank you all for listening. We will be back on Friday. Vito's taking some time away, so uh, it'll be me and Scotty again. I will be out of town this weekend, so uh, you'll probably get the pod coming out a little bit earlier. It might be uh, Thursday night or Thursday afternoon drop, but uh, keep yourselves posted on that. Have a wonderful weekend or week, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Shout out to Alliance Counting. Go check them out. Let them know we sent you all that good stuff, and uh, we'll talk to you guys then. Take it easy, everybody.